The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. We're kinky done differently. What women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self, with questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. This week, we meet the founders of a media outlet who seek to define the terms we all love and bring together experts from around the world to find those of us who think a little kinkly. Kinkly was founded by Nicole Jansen and Tara Stroik in 2012. It was the era of Fifty Shades of Grey, and while they don't endorse the lessons in that book, it blew open the doors when it came to the public's appetite and curiosity around topics that had long been considered taboo. Coming from backgrounds in digital media and armed with questions of their own, Nicole and Tara saw the need for an educational site on all things sex, one that was open-minded, non-judgmental, and fun to read. So they set about creating the largest dictionary of sex terms on the web, with more than 3,000 definitions and counting, along with an archive of topics ranging from sex toys, sex positions, and kink, to body image and sexual health. They also work to connect with and curate content from a range of pleasure-based sex educators, therapists, and professionals in the field, as well as some of the top sexual health writers. Kinkley is also home to the Sex Blogger Directory, the largest, most comprehensive list of sex blocks available online, as well as a key industry resource. Throughout the years, Kinkley has continued to expand the site and offerings. And in 2018, they launched the Kinkley Shop, which curates the very best in body-safe sex toys and provides them in a space with all the information you need to choose the best one for you. Now let's visit with Tara and Nicole, the founders of Kinkly, on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First piece you ever wrote about sex and what was the subject? Tara? Uh, man, there's been so many now. I don't even know if I could tell you. I wrote a piece about vulvas, I think, really early on and why they're beautiful and why different shapes and sizes are um, beautiful. I know that piece performed really well. So that was that was a fun one to write and kind of get into. That's probably the, one of the earlier ones I can think of. Nicole? Well, I'm pretty sure my first one was how to give a blowjob. So. <laughs> That was a fun one. Thank goodness, though, 
I have Tara who can make my writing sound amazing. Uh, she's definitely the creative one and uh, I can throw out and, and barf up some words and then she takes it and turns it into something magical. First time you ever got positive feedback for Kinkley and your reaction to it. I think early on the feedback was pretty positive. Um, we were one of the earlier sites that kind of got into the kinkier side, at least a site um, of a bigger size. And so I think that was a little bit different and we were willing to embrace that and people responded really well to that. So that was, that was kind of fun. Yeah, and I wouldn't say mine was our first, but I remember when we went to our first um, sex toy um, conference and their interesting conference for sure. One of one of my most fun, but um, just the, the, the fact that people knew us when we went there, it was really exciting that when I said, you know, I'm from Kinkley, they actually knew what I was talking about. So that was really fun. First tech sex toy you ever owned, Tara? I think the We Vibe Touch. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty solid pick, I think. Um, probably got that idea from one of the bloggers that we uh, got to know early on. And um, yeah, that was kind of a, a late pick for me, but yeah, that was my first. Mine was a bat rabbit vibrator by Lalo. <laughs> first time you ever had someone you were starstruck by in the sex industry I was at that conference the same one and um Nina Hartley walked by um you know been around in the industry for for quite some time and she was talking to someone about uh, her daddy. And I, you know, I was pretty new. We were pretty new to Kinkley and just realizing I'm standing in a circle of people talking to Nina Hartley about her daddy. It was one of those, like, is this really happening to me right now? <laughs> I think for me, I mean, I, I keep thinking of that same conference too. Like, I think the first year we started, we we went to Catalyst Con and that, I don't think that conference is still running, but we went a few times and it was um, a very cool conference. And um, I met Epiphora at that conference and I've always, always loved her blog, um, loved her writing. So it was amazing for me just to see her face and say hello. Uh, so I was a little bit starstruck by that. Um, so that was probably one of my first ones. First time you ever knew that you played a role in someone finding their genuine selves? That's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we did a series with someone where we connected um, Ducky Doolittle with one of our readers who'd never had an orgasm before, but really wanted to have an orgasm. And um, Ducky gave her some guidance and then she would go away, try that, report back, write an article on her experience. And then I think it was after three different articles she did have an orgasm. 
which to me was like this massive win and thank goodness for, for Ducky to, to help our reader get there. It was really fun to be part of that. And I don't even know if I can, if I can think of one. I mean, we definitely get um, emails from readers um, about things that they've tried or things that they've read about um, that have been life-changing for them or that have been a, an amazing experience. So I do hear that fairly often, but I don't know if I could, you know, pinpoint one specific one, although Nicole's is great. That was um, a pretty awesome article. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Ass, trauma-informed sex and intimacy coach and educator and the founder of TurnOn.Love. And I teach a wide range of workshops and courses on topics including flirting and seduction, deepening emotional intimacy, expanding pleasure, exploring fantasies, repairing ruptures in relationships, navigating non-monogamy, and more. And I work with individuals and couples in a coaching dynamic to support them in getting out of their heads and into their bodies and navigating challenges like erectile dysfunction and anorgasmia to help men figure out how to express their desires in ways that feel authentic and not let opportunities pass by any longer, to help women explore what they want and really advocate for it in their relationships, and to support couples in getting the spark back and in exploring non-monogamy if you want to open up your relationship. To explore all this and more, you can check out my website at www.turnon.love. And don't forget to listen to my episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's in the archives wherever you listen to your podcast. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the total archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. 2022 marks 10 years of Kinkley. So go back to 2012. What was it like to start this site? You want to tell that story, Nicole? This was actually a joke. Um, (laughs) My husband has been in digital media for many years, and he had started many Opedia sites, we call them. And um, all of them that he was in at that point were very business focused, very niche business. And I, over a glass of wine one night, I said, this is um, like, all your sites are really boring. 
Like <laughs> when I tell my friends that we're in these industries, it, it's not that exciting. Um, you should do something fun like Sexopedia or something like that so that I actually have something cool to tell our friends. And I was completely joking. We woke up in the morning and he said, I've been thinking all night. I think you're onto something. And I said, well, no, 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 no. Like I was joking. And he said, and I can't run it or it's just going to feel like a porn show. So you have to, you have to do this and we've got to get Tara involved and, uh, uh okay, what? <laughs> and, uh, I think two weeks later we were, Kinkley was on its way. Yeah. So Corey and Nicole kind of came to me and it was kind of a, you know, I hadn't, I'd met Nicole, but I hadn't really spent a lot of time with her. And so they were kind of nervous about this site and, you know, they kind of finally blurted it out. And I was like, okay, yeah, because, you know, I'd done a lot of business sites um, and I'd started a lot of sites where there was, I didn't know anything about the subject matter. And I was like, okay, well, at least I've had sex. Like I can talk about this. Like <laughs> it just seemed a lot more accessible. So I was excited about that. Um, yeah. And then from there, we kind of just started building out a dictionary of, ter you know, sex definitions and, yeah, I took it from there. Why Kinkley? Well, Sexopedia was too expensive of a URL to buy. Uh, <laughs> Some of it had to do with the URL and how expensive yeah. any of them connected to sex are to buy. Like we're talking tens of thousands of dollars for some yeah. of these. And um, at the time there was a real trend in internet to have um, like to have a shortened URL that ended with L-Y. Um, so that you could get your name in there, but it was a very short URL. And so we just decided to go with that trend. That trend is gone, but uh, the name still lives on it and we, and we love it now. I still use Bitly, which may be out there of fashion. Mm -hmm. And I do use Bitly to be able to uh, connect our listeners where I take the second part of it and I simply put the name of where they're listening, like Spotify or Apple, add www.pod to it. And that way I don't ever have to remember the URL to get to the show. So I, I'm very familiar with uh, Lee's or yeah. <laughs> Bitly's or Kinkly in this case. So where did you think that there was the audience there? Was it a gut feeling that you all had or was it something that you looked around and said, there's a major black hole in this and we need to figure out a way to travel into that when we started that was right around when 50 shades of gray was really popular and a lot of that interest um we kind of felt like had nowhere to go um at that time i mean now it's really changed especially in the past five years but at that time if you were searching something especially on the kinkier side you know bondage bdsm some of the stuff that um appears in that book you just would find nothing or you'd find porn um you know and nothing against porn but it's not really necessarily what people are looking for when they just want to understand or discover something so we i don't know if you know, we saw that pretty quickly, um, that that was just a space that didn't have an informational website and 
in our background, that's kind of what we were good at is making informational websites. So I think some of it was a little bit of personal interest, but then also just seeing that no one else was really covering that space um, at all. Yeah, I had searched um, metal vagina balls after reading um, Fifty Shades of Grey because I wasn't sure what they were talking about in that book. I know now what those were, but uh, at the time I didn't. And so I didn't know what to call them. And when I searched metal vagina balls, you can only imagine what came up in my search. Uh, not anything that provided me the information I was looking for. Um, and so that, that was part of it too. It, you know, it was my own search led me to not be able to find the information. One thing I just noticed from both of you is that when you use sex terms, like Tara said, BDSM and bondage and metal sex balls in your case, or metal vagina balls in your case, Nicole, it rolls off the tongue easily. It doesn't seem to be something that has a giggle after it. Have you both always been comfortable with being able to talk about it? No. We, I get in trouble now with friends. It's very awkward because to me, this is work conversations. And, um, you know, I'll, someone, I was in a board meeting one day and someone said, you know, hey, what's going on at Kinky Lake? What's the new thing? And just in a normal voice, I said, well, you should really check out pegging. It's, it's really coming up. It's really getting really popular. And the whole room just, you know, eyes wide open. This board had nothing to do with sex. And, I've gotten myself in trouble over and over because it, to me, it's so common day. It's, you know, when you're talking about anal sex in the office, like life changes a little. I think for me, um, my background is pretty conservative. So in my family, like not religious, but we kind of took all the conservative stuff from religion, I think, and held on to it. Um, we didn't talk about stuff like that. So for me, um, it was kind of awesome just to dive into this group of people that are totally open with it. Um, Cause I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. It's just not the language that I grew up using. So now, I mean, that's kind of what I'm immersed in every day. So it's, it's normal, but I think it's also a good perspective on how that those kind of conversations can become normalized. Like maybe you don't have to go all the way to you know, the hardcore stuff, if that's not what people are into, but even just being able to discuss it, it, it can definitely come easily if you're willing to sort of um, hear that language and, and get used to it. So we hope that Kinkley does that for people. In 2012, that kind of language was, <gasps> what did you say? And now it's not so much. So how different was the atmosphere in which you brought this into the world? I don't think people have changed. Like when I started the site, even my most conservative friends, they were at first very um, taken aback, but then right away they sort of, they were the first ones that were telling other people. And, and so I think everyone kind of wants that opportunity to um, talk about that. I mean, we didn't see it in other media, but I think a lot of publications are just really scared because there are repercussions for them when they have other advertisers. Um, 
so I can understand that. And as things are shifting and, you know, sex toys are in Cosmo and in other women's magazines, I think it's, they're slowly able to wade into that and kind of see what the ripple effects are for them. I mean, for their business, for us, we wanted to be in the industry to begin with. And so, because we weren't trying to, you know, have sponsors outside of that or, or advertisers outside of that, we didn't have to worry about that as much. So um, I think it was a little bit different than, than some of the other publications, but I mean, it has really changed because, um, you know, now I don't think it's really that edgy to write about anal sex in a magazine. Like you can see that, you know, on the regular, um, that was not the case when we launched at all. Yeah, agreed. I, and even I'm going to admit the first few articles, I wasn't sure, should I be putting my name to this? What will people think if they Google my name and this comes up? It didn't take long for me to sort of come out of that, but having been raised in, in an environment where this just wasn't discussed, it, it took me some time as well to get used to it. I, my pen name, Elena Kelly, I think still appears on a few of the <laughs> spots on the site just because we haven't changed it yet. But um, yeah, it didn't take long before I had no problem putting my name to it. I will tell you that it took me until this past year to go ahead and say, yes, I'm, I'm John, I'm hi there, catsuit, I'm kinky. Uh, because I was in the television business for 35 years. And you can't really have somebody uh, appearing in kink media at one moment and then suddenly showing up on a major network in another. It just didn't work. At what point, and you said it was pretty early, at what point did you just look and say, I'm so proud of this, I want my name on it? I, I think it was when... Um, that was the first thing my friends would ask when I would see them, what's going on at Kinkley? Like they really wanted to know. They were super curious. Um, everywhere I went, if I talked about what I did, I became the center of attention in the room. You know, everyone else's job came across as very boring and it just, it, it felt great you know, people were excited for it. They, they really were looking for something like this, where it was okay to talk about these things. And honestly, the moment you tell people what you do, all of a sudden they're, you know, tapping you on the shoulder, like, so tell me a little about this. Like, I've never wanted to, I can't find it anywhere. I'm curious, but, and um, so I just loved all of those instances where you got to help someone understand and educate themselves. I think for me, I mean, it took me a couple years to put my name on the site, to be honest, but from the back end, hiring writers, um, interacting with people, I always put my name on emails right from the beginning because um, I felt like there's a credibility problem, I think, sometimes in around the industry, and I wanted people to know that I was a real person um, and what my background was and that, like, you know, I'm, I can be trusted, you know, I think we've tried to connect with the people that we work with and be trustworthy. And, and I wanted to actually put my name at least on that part. Um, and I was proud of it from the beginning because the writing that we got, a lot of it was just really good. Like it was really personal. Um, 
amazing advice and some of it really emotional. Um, so I think that helped me do that and put my own name on it uh, on the outside as well, because other people were doing that uh, already. How difficult was it to get the first contributors to your site and have them buy into what you were doing? Not difficult at all. Um, we posted some ads, like just like we would, you know, you would hire a writer for anything. And we, I mean, probably one of the most fun things that I have done on Kinkly is hiring writers because people, you'll just get hundreds of people just blasting you with their backgrounds, their stories, their sexual escapades, erotica they've written. I mean, like people just go all in and you get a huge range from, you know, really good professional writers who have some amazing bylines right down to people who've never written anything, but actually have a really good, you know, voice and story to tell. So um, getting writers has never really been a huge problem. So it kind of just shows you how many people uh, wanted to talk about that right from the beginning. Yeah, writers, uh, I, I thought it might be difficult and it, people were jumping at, at it, at the opportunity. I mean, how many emails a day, Tara, do we get asking if some if people can write for us? It's constant. Who was the first quote big name that came to you all? Um, we've worked with some good sex educators. I think one of the earliest ones we worked with was probably Ducky Doolittle. Um, and I'm still a huge fan of her because she just um has so much empathy and it really shines through in, in the content that she writes. She's a beautiful writer as well. So I think that's probably one of the first um, sort of well-known sex educators that we worked with. And um, yeah, we have worked with her for a number of years, so. Nicole, did you have any in mind? A ducky was who came to my mind as well. Mm -hmm. She was a, an early supporter and has continued to be a great champion of ours. So, yep, definitely. I took a look at some of your list and I saw Gigi Engel on there, who I totally, uh, um, I'm a fan of. I've actually mm -hmm. tried to get her on the program and says, you're not quite big enough yet. So I said, okay, I got that. Uh, Marla Stewart, uh, I know we have talked to, to Marla. Paige Turner, actually, I knew when she was in Cleveland. Amazing writer, love. And Ms. LX is all over YouTube. I can't go through my playlist, which might tell you what my playlist is, but I can't go through my playlist without running into Ms. LX. Um, when you... When you started this site, obviously you started it in Canada. Is Canada more accepting of this than the States might be? Yeah. I feel like Canada is sort of like in the U.S. there's more extremes, uh, I think, than Canada. Um, so while maybe overall it might be more accepting simply because there's not as many people on the, the far end that really would not be okay with this. Um, but there's probably far fewer of the ones who are, are really supportive of this. So if that makes sense, like it's a little more middle ground almost in Canada. 
I mean, that's the joke about us too, is that we're polite, right? So maybe when people don't like it, they just don't say anything to us. I'm not sure. And the reason I ask is I have developed, and we've had quite a few guests that have come to us from Canada, and they all seem like they are very well-balanced and very accepting and not thinking it's such a big deal which I love because in the States, some people would go, I could never talk about that. And I do think it's a little bit about the extremes. So I just wanted to share with you that uh, at least as the pandemic began and as, as it continued, a lot of my kink community ended up being in Canada because they, they wanted to get out and be able to participate and talk about it but you all have gone through kind of the opposite. It was good for you all somewhat up there because you took care of things. And down here, it was a mess. And now that the vaccines, it's kind of, it's kind of going the opposite way. But there is a, dare I say, a good hunger for kink in Canada. Do you find that? Let's not forget it's cold up here. We spend a lot of time <laughs> inside. Hi. My name is Leanne, and I am the owner of Polyphilia, where you can get your daily fix of memes dedicated to polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, and personal growth in open relationships. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Polyphilia Blog, spelt P-O-L-Y-P-H-I-L-I-A-B-L-O-G. I hope to see you there, and please also check out my episode on what women and other wonderful humans want. Hello, I'm Jessie Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's time to get back to learning about the most important connection of all, the one we have with our authentic selves, on what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky. So without getting into major privacy matters, what were some of the other things that you all did before starting this particular venture? And how much of your work in that helped you make this a success? I was an editor for a financial website and that was kind of where I had spent most of my professional career. And I also did freelance writing on the finance side. So personal finance and investing. I actually find Kinkly kind of similar because what interests me about personal finance is I mean, everyone kind of knows you're supposed to have a savings account and, you know, you should set aside some of your paycheck for these various things. A lot of people don't do that, though. And I think there's a, a huge gap between knowing and doing. And I think you kind of see that in sex, too. Like people know they should communicate with their partner or at least they sort of know. But can they actually get over that hurdle to do that? Um, so those kind of questions are what interests me about sex um and I kind of think about it as think about them both as things that people don't really talk about or that have some taboo around them so um yeah that's kind of it wasn't that much of a stretch 
for me to go from one to the other. And I just like, um, I like good content. So no matter what people are writing about, if it's a good story, then I'm into it. I don't have as good of a story as Tara. I was a real estate broker, a corporate event planner, and a stay-at-home mom uh, in the, that, that stretch before. Uh, but I did have sex. And so hopefully that set me up well. <laughs> have you all changed personally since you started the site? Has it magnified your personalities at all or was something always hidden inside that just naturally was able to come out? Or is it just like, no, this is still me. I think I'm not afraid to talk about sex, even to people that I'm not sure if they're comfortable about, about it anymore. I mean, my, my poor kids' friends are very well educated because my kids are very, very educated for their age. Um, and my friends are also very educated because I don't have any issue talking about it. Uh, and, you know, I, it encouraged me to have those conversations with, with my partner, which I might not have been as open to prior. Um, it's becomes pretty easy when all you're doing is reading and writing and talking about it all day long. It, it's, it's easy to talk about it at home too. I think... Um, I don't know if it's changed me, but it's made me think about, um, the people that work in sex ed are really amazing in terms of their courage, I think, um, and in the whole space, because there's still a lot of stigma around it. And I think speaking up about that is, is hard. And so, uh, for me as a person, a relatively reticent person, just seeing people who can just say whatever they need to say when they need to say it at all times. Um, that's been really liberating for me. And I really admire those people and their ability to do that every day. Um, so I do, I think that has, has changed my ability in terms of just being able to speak my mind, what I think, um, you know, and kind of live life a little bit more that way. The last let's say five years seems to have started this run up to the current time where sex education and kink education, especially during the pandemic when virtual classes just boomed, it seemed as though that people have become comfortable talking about it. There's still a stigma there but the education is there now. So how much of a difference do you think it will make in the next five years? I mean, I think education is the key to undoing stigma. If no one is talking about this stuff, um, we're not going to make progress in terms of, I mean, in order to even accept it you have to think about it first and I think when people won't even talk about it they're just shutting it down right before the thinking stage so if they can at least you know start listening um start hearing about it and go back and think about it I think that's where um the change is going to happen well and there's there's going to be um there's so many things that are still yet to be discovered in kink that no one's ever tried. 
And those might be the ones that tomorrow feel like a big stigma against it. And then, you know, hopefully five years from now, those, those roll off people's tongue too. What's been harder to keep up with technology or sex? That's all, probably technology, again, only because of the visibility, like there's still a gap in terms of um, knowing where that growth is happening on the kink side. Um, you know, we work with various writers and, and people who can bring that to us. But um, I would say that the changes in technology are more visible to us, whereas the changes on the, in terms of kink, um, we might not see that until they're kind of more at the forefront. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, um, I think a technology has been very hard to keep up with. And I also think that if you're, if you're not up to speed with technology, it really, really can hurt you, but you can constantly be learning and growing with kink. And it's not like it hurts you because you didn't know enough about that one topic. Um, but if you don't know about SEO, your site is going to have a really big problem. And no, that's not a position that you can find on kinkly.com, but it is something <laughs> they use quite a bit. <laughs> Let's talk about the site itself. And originally the mission was to become this huge dictionary of sex terms, but it grew to so much more. Can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of the site? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we started out doing terms and a lot of the terminology turned out to be kinky terminology because there is just so much terminology around that world. Um, so I think that kind of led us down the path of writing more content articles um, around those topics just because we could tell those were spaces that, you know, there wasn't a lot of content online. Um, I think we came up with the sex positions. We have a sex positions directory, um, a few hundred sex positions there. We came up with that fairly early on too. I mean, the thing about the internet is anytime you post something, you can see right away if there's traction and people like it. And so that's kind of where we go with it. You know, we, we look at what's available, what seems interesting. We test it out. We see if that's what people like, if they're interested. Sex positions, people love sex positions, right? So we we kind of went down that path and, and built out that side of it. Um, the sex blogger directory is another big part of the site. And again, you know, we kind of were going out doing research where, where what's the other good content online? around sex, sex bloggers. That, that's pretty much all there was for content in a lot of those kink spaces. So we were like, okay, well, that's that's really cool. We could connect people to more of those pages and kind of put those all in one place. So that's kind of how we did that. And again, like good response there. So we kept building that out. Um, I think those are kind of the core areas of the site that we built out right from the beginning. And they're still, yeah, they're still the core areas. 
Yeah, I mean, we we knew we would start with the dictionary because we knew that would garner us some search traffic um, quickly and and begin to grow the site. But we've always let the readers, the advertisers, um, you know, th that's who dictates where we go. We're not, we weren't set on a, a set strategy. It was, let's get some traffic and see what everybody wants and then just go down that direction. How much of a change was it to bring on an actual shop where people can not only read about things, but, oh, I can go get one of these now? We originally did um, some affiliate, which I know a lot of bloggers do as well, and a lot of people in the space. Um, the problem with affiliate is, especially when um, you have certain products that you want to promote, um, you're kind of going between different affiliates and it can get really complicated. So we were, you know, straddling a bunch of different programs, a bunch of different kinds of links um, and maintaining all that and trying to analyze the data across all of those different platforms. It's just not ideal. Um, and it was pretty obvious that we needed to provide product to people on the site because people wanted it. Um, they were, that's where they were headed. And so we just wanted to um, bring that on board so we could provide a better experience and have more control over how it was delivered. And one of the things we did when we were considering it, because we, we could see that affiliate was working, people were making buying decisions based on what they were reading. Um, but we did a survey of our readers and 60% told us that they were making buying decisions because of what they were reading. And that was sort of that last piece of, okay, yes, we definitely need to have a shop that is only the items we would feel comfortable selling. So we're not going to carry everything of everyone's, but just the ones that we know and trust and, um, and really think that our readers would enjoy. Has there been a most popular item on the site? Um, that's a good question. Uh, the Satisfier Multifund 3 is one of the more popular ones. And, and a lot of those Satisfier products. I mean, I think what we see, we often um, try to take some of the new products that are coming out and review them and sort of show people what, what's new. And so we definitely see um, newer products, trending products uh, get traction right away. And then there's kind of the, the old standards like the magic wand and um, you know some of the wee vibes and things that are always popular um, and they're always kind of just selling well as well. And then lube, we sell lots of lube. <laughs> Which is good. People are clearly listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like tara said you know there's there's the old standbys um like the wee vibes and the magic wand um and then the rest is just ebbs and flows as new products come on new articles are written people get excited about different things is there one product in particular that you can think of that gets people to go i never knew that existed or is a talking point with your friends? I think one that we see on the site that is hugely popular that I think a lot of people don't know about is Electrosex. Um, and those products do sell fairly well in our shop as well. 
um, again, like a kinkier topic that a lot of um, sites don't cover, but we, you know, we, we have some good uh, educational content around that. And I think people are very surprised by it, but it's also more accessible, I think, than people think. It's not as terrifying as it sounds. Um, so I think that's something that, that a lot of people are surprised by. And I would say maybe a little less now, but when it first became pretty popular, pegging was one that people seemed a little bit surprised about. But again, the ones that people are most surprised about generally are the ones that do the best because people are eager to know about it. And there's the information of how to try it without it feeling like you're launching off into some unknown land. When you go to conferences, you said that people know Kinkley. Is it kind of amazing to walk through this place that is so full of glitz and glamour? And there you are as Kinkley going, we're a part of this. That's pretty cool. It is. Uh, there's, there's um, you know, manufacturers, distributors, et cetera, in this space who have been here for decades and are very well established. Um, and it does feel really cool to show up in that room and have people who've been working in these industries long before we were here and they know who we are. And, and that's, that's awesome. It's a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't something I ever would have expected to, you know, be someone who would be known at a sex toy conference. Um, but it is an amazing group of people. Um, I think the industry, you know, it has a lot of very kind of warm, open people. Uh, so I really enjoy it. And I mean, because we're on the internet and people don't necessarily know what we look like, we I feel like we get to walk around with a little bit of anonymity and, and introduce ourselves, which um, is better for me as a shy person, so. <laughs> Has there been any times when you all have been feeling as though, uh-oh, what did we get ourselves into? Where you might have had negative feedback from either something that was on the site or something within your regular business where you went, are we doing the right thing here? Yeah. I mean, we've gotten negative feedback. Um, we've had call outs. I think I'm fine with that. I mean, when we get called out, I'll be honest, like I spend a lot of time really thinking about, you know, whether we deserved it, um, whether we did something wrong, whether we need to do something better. Um, obviously we're just people, we don't get everything right. I think we've made a lot of improvements on the site based on the callouts that we've gotten. And, you know, I hope we have, um, and we try to, or at least I do. I mean, usually, um, I'm often the one personally reading those, um, you know, try to take them in and do the best that I can. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think in most cases, we have learned some really big things from those call outs. Because even if um, we knew our motivation wasn't how it was perceived, um, it was perceived a certain way. And so we have to, we have to recognize that and see how we can do better. 
I would say personally, I had a call out simply because I owned Kinkley um, that uh, I was on a board of directors and someone found out about Kinkley and they tried to have me removed from the board of directors because of what Kinkley does. And um, I could have just walked away because I didn't want to cause a scene about it, but that's not really my personality. So I called, caused a really big scene about it. And then that ended that. But um, yeah, that was one where I thought, did I make a mistake in doing this? Like, is this going to impact me outside of Kinkley and, and its ecosystem? You mentioned earlier that your kids and their friends have really good sex education through knowing what you all do. Does that make you all the cool moms? <laughs> um, I think with my, with my friends, when my kids were younger, you know, the, the grade three, four, five, and their kids were coming home talking about things that they never told them. I was not the biggest fan of those moms. Um, and my kids didn't realize that what they were telling their friends was anything taboo. And so it became this weird, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to let Johnny hang out with your son kind of thing. Um, so that was a little awkward. But now that I've got uh, teenagers, I am definitely the cool mom because uh, everybody knows where they can go to, to get the legit information. My, my daughter's riding friend, she's an equestrian rider, um, came to me the other day. She's 17 and said, I'm thinking I want to get a vibrator. What should I do? I'm like, I've got you set up here. So <laughs> you feel like this, do you like this? And you know, her eyes are just exploding. And, you know, I just love the fact that she came to me privately away from her mom to say, I know you'll help me. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, my daughter's only one and a half. So I don't know if I think the verdict's still out on whether I'm cool or uncool right now. I'm still cool. So I'll just hang on to that. But um, I definitely will be comfortable talking to her. Um so I, I feel good about that. I've told this story on the show before that I ended up with two amazing kids in the way that they have had respect in the sexual world and have had respect in their relationships. Very proud that uh, one recently moved in with their non-binary partner. Very proud of uh, her living her authentic self. And uh, my son was always very respectful. Their introduction to sex or knowing about it was at age 11 for my daughter, nine for my son, when we took them to see bridesmaids. And when we did, we said, this is a comedic look at it, but now you've seen what everybody's talking about. Any questions? Do you think that the fear of people knowing about sex with some parents is what keeps some kids 
constantly wondering about what's going on and maybe misbehaving just to discover? Or do you think having all this sex education around them on the internet and through good conversation will help make well-rounded, more respective kids? I think you have an opportunity as, as a parent for, for a short window where you can really impact and direct that messaging to your child before, and they believe you, you over anyone else or any other source. And I, I feel like you have to grab a hold of that and really, you know, set this tone of, of what sex is about, what consent means, what, you know, what we should be open to. And just, it's about learning and, and being your best self and exploring what, what you like. And, um, and then knowing that they're now going to source it from everywhere. They're going to source it from friends. They're going to source it from the internet. They're going to source it from advertisements, from magazines, and hopefully they will know that they can come back to you to get the real facts. When they really aren't sure of the real facts, they'll come to you and ask because they know you're going to give it to them straight. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to just have that sort of honesty. What for both of you has been your proudest moment since Kinkley has started? What has been that certain time where you went, I made the right decision and this is the thing that I was meant to be doing? I don't even know if I could pick, pick one moment. I feel like that happens to me, I mean, at least once a week. Like every time we get a new piece that you know, I learn something new or I see a perspective that I haven't seen before, then I just think like, yeah, I mean, this is worth doing. Like this is worth putting out there. Um, this is something good. So, um, I feel like that is, that happens all the time. Yeah. I can't think of one specific moment. Um, it's all the little moments. It's the, it's the, my daughter's friend coming to me saying, you know, can you help me find a vibrator or the writer writing in saying, you know, what a difference this story made or, or this article made for them personally or highlighting the, um, the educators and the writers in this space and seeing them get wins because you were able to help boost them up. And it's it just, it happens all the time in, in so many different ways. What, is in the future for Kinkley. What are some of the things that you would like to be able to do as this amazing journey moves forward? I think we're going to keep listening to our readers, listening to our writers, and they'll lead the way. You know, there's things we'd like to, to grow, maybe grow the shop, maybe grow different things that we're doing. Um, but we're only going to do it if, if we're hearing that that's what people want. 
Yeah, I mean, we're an educational resource or we aim to be. So at the end of the day, we're going to move with where people's interests are moving, um, where the sec sexual health industry is moving um, and provide that information, you know, as it as it evolves. As this has been a free flowing conversation and there weren't any predetermined questions, which is a little bit different for the two of you, I understand. Is there something that you want to make sure people know about either yourself or about Kinkley that we haven't covered? Mm. I think we just love what we do. Um, we're here to educate. And um, if we're not hitting the mark, please let us know. Um, we, we just want everyone to feel that they can be open with who they are and, and what they enjoy and know that they have a resource to come to, to find out more about that. And so if we're not doing it right, let us know and we'll fix it. I think one that I would say, um, is that, you know, we're not, we are a website, but we're, we're also people behind it. Um, we have a team that really cares about the content and, um, yeah, I mean, we, we want to hear from, hear from people on what they want more of, what, what we're missing, what they want to learn about. Um, cause that's ultimately what decides what kind of content we're going to create. Many times on the show, when we finish up the show uh, with uh, different models or dominatrices or uh, athletes or uh, authors that we have, we always talk about where can we find you? But I think it's pretty simple for both of you, kinkley.com. Thank you so much for being with us, Tara Stroik and Nicole Jansen. It has been a pleasure having you with us today. Thanks so much. It's so hard to imagine growing up without the ability to know what's what when it comes to sex. And in my day, I had no clue. I'm glad that this site exists for everyone to get some good information every day, whenever they want it. Next week on the show, on Tuesday, we visit with Rachel Rose, the founder of Hedonish.com on kink, disability, and overcoming obstacles. Then on Friday, it's mainstream adult star Brittany Amber, who has a role in the upcoming horror movie, The Arrangement, alongside Eric Roberts. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, thanking you for being with us on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently. 